this is Kiana. Thank you for listening to the Complex Trauma Recovery Podcast. Just a reminder for anyone listening on YouTube or one of the podcast platforms, you can help me out a lot by subscribing. And um, if you are not subscribed to my Patreon, I post extra podcast episodes there that aren't available anywhere else. And if you have appreciated my work and would like to support me, um, it helps a lot when people sign up for my Patreon. You get access to a whole bunch of writing and videos that aren't anywhere else and it only costs $5, so um, please consider signing up. On today's episode, uh, I'm going to be talking about this question of can you self-heal? And I think self-healing is kind of a big topic recently. Um, It's a complex one because um, people are looking for a way to heal, and unfortunately, access to effective mental health care is not, you know, nearly as easy or simple as it should be. So this idea of self-healing has really gained a lot of popularity recently um, through self-help books, through coaches, through kind of um, social media. There's a lot of kind of how to heal yourself resources and suggestions and social media platforms out there. And this is something that people ask me questions about a lot too, like how can I heal if I can't afford a therapist or is it possible to heal without a therapist? So these are complicated issues and I'm going to try to just kind of break them down and share my thoughts on them here. Um, So first of all, there's a difference between healing in a general sense, like healing from a breakup, healing from, you know, something that was painful and healing from CPTSD or PTSD. Um, When you have CPTSD or PTSD, when you have a trauma disorder, like perhaps a dissociative disorder, um, self-healing, I think, is a lot more potentially risky and difficult than just kind of generalized healing, right? Um, there's, There's a lot of different ways to heal. I mean, if you listen to just people's personal testimonies, there's people who have said they've healed all sorts of specific things through all sorts of specific means. And it's really never one size fits all. Like we're all different. We all have different pathways towards healing. Um, so it's definitely not a simple answer. But what I will say is that with with PTSD and CPTSD, with like dissociative trauma disorders, uh, you know, clinicians go through years and years of training to learn how to safely help someone process and heal from trauma and working through trauma without the support of a experienced and skilled clinician can absolutely be dangerous. Um, It can be dangerous because there are a lot of things that therapy offers to create safety while you're doing difficult work like that. Um, And so when people kind of just go and like dive into this work by themselves, There have been many real cases of people becoming profoundly triggered, um, having mental health breakdowns, becoming more depressed, becoming suicidal, um, you know, basically pushing themselves way past their distress tolerance limit through trying to work on these very painful things without the needed supports in place. Um, And, you know, along with those risks, there's also the fact that just knowing how to approach trauma, knowing how to actually process trauma is not something that we all just kind of understand naturally. Um, And so a lot of the time when you're trying to like self-heal and you don't have the right supports, this can really lead itself to like rumination, you know, Um, 
as we know, just thinking about something or just talking about something isn't healing from it. You know, that's why there are these very specific therapeutic modalities that are used to create a, you know, a process to address and, and heal from trauma. Um, just thinking about it or talking about it by itself without that structure, without those guidelines can be dysregulating. It, be, it can become obsessive. You know, you can get stuck. And the whole point of trauma recovery and, you know, mental health and, therapy is to get unstuck so um these are some of like the risks that come up when when someone is kind of trying to self-heal they have serious trauma and they don't have the right supports in place there's also a lot of bad mental health advice online um the more i've gotten into like creating mental health content online the more i've seen how many uh coaches and people are out there giving advice that maybe maybe works for some people could but could be like very detrimental for others that's inaccurate it's misinformation um and even if you are absorbing valuable and correct information you can overload yourself with this stuff like one really important thing to keep in mind is that in most cases when you're doing trauma therapy you're doing intense kind of deep therapy the sessions are going to be limited to one hour, maybe two hours maximum a week, right? This is called containment. This is something that therapists do to make sure that there are very specific times and settings where you're doing that really deep trauma work and then the rest of the week is really spent recovering um, or the time between sessions is really spent recovering. You are not supposed to and no one is really able to sustain being in a really um, emotionally vulnerable raw state and actively processing trauma for days or weeks at a time. But people can get stuck in that without that containment and without that support to be like, yeah, this is when we talk about these things. And then in between sessions, what are you focusing on? Self-care, rest, self-regulation, you know, um, self-compassion. Like there's this natural flow with therapy, with a skilled practitioner, where it should happen gradually and with containment. And when you kind of just dive in without those parameters, um, you can become very overwhelmed and it can lead to getting stuck in that rumination and not really moving through it in an effective or relieving way. Um, people can get kind of obsessive with trying to like figure out their trauma, get very rational and overly analytical about it. So I've talked to a lot of people who are like, yeah, I really got stuck in trying to like understand everything I could, like constantly reading articles kind of getting into this loop that's like I got to solve solve my mental health like a math problem so I know it might be kind of funny for me to be talking about because I'm on here on the internet talking about trauma but that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it to remind everyone that like if you are doing this mental health work especially if you don't have a therapist but you're listening to this podcast and you're kind of trying to like work on your healing make sure you are taking breaks make sure you're not overwhelming yourself Think about that idea of containment and the fact that a therapist will limit the time you spend working on trauma to one or two hours a week and try to provide that for yourself, you know. Um, when things naturally come up and triggers come up, emotions come up, you can use it as an opportunity to process, um, to practice self-care. But um, there does need to be absolutely time that's set aside to really rest, to do hobbies and activities that are enriching, to connect with loved ones. Um, to just focus on productivity like you need time for all these different things in your life and you need to give yourself a break from thinking about mental illness and trauma um, because it can be in kind of consuming overwhelming and you can burn out you can just burn yourself out by going too much too hard too fast okay but here's where the tricky part comes in a lot of people have been in therapy 
have been accessing professional mental health services for years and years, but still haven't really gotten better, still haven't really gotten the right help. And, you know, I've talked before about how much of an issue it is that there is really a lack of emphasis on trauma in most therapists and social workers' education. Um, there are trauma specialists, but trauma is not like a standard training. And even a lot of people who use the label trauma-informed might not really be informed enough to work with CPTSD and PTSD effectively. So a lot of people have been accessing mental health workers and like it was re-traumatizing or it didn't help or it made it worse or it just kind of stayed the same. So there's, there's the issue with even if you have access to mental health, you might not have access to like good mental health, mental health that you really need. Um, on top of that, there's the issue of access. Like I live in America. Um, our, our healthcare system sucks. I talk to people all the time who don't have the money to afford copays, um, to afford insurance. They don't have insurance. They can't really access therapy. Um, they have very limited options for therapy. So, you know, when people can't access therapy, as much as I want to say, like, please be careful trying to tackle your trauma by yourself. I also don't really feel good saying like you can only heal with a therapist because there's all these people that just can't access that. And I, you know, the last thing I want to want to do is to tell those people that they're helpless or they're hopeless or um, they have no, you know, self-efficacy and agency in the way that they pursue better mental health because that's absolutely not true. I think it's a balance, you know, um, so for people who just can't access mental health care or who haven't accessed the right mental health care, what I always say is you may not need therapy to heal right now all the time, right? Um, therapy, if you can't access it, it doesn't mean you can't start healing and start improving. Um, but you can't heal completely alone. So when this topic of like self-healing comes up, what I always come back to is this idea that what's hurt in relationships is healed in relationships. In therapy, the relationship is the point. People act like the relationship between the client and therapist is secondary. Like it's like, yeah, it's nice, but really it's about, you know, what the therapist knows and how they can use their skills. No, the relationship you have with the therapist is the foundation of effective therapy. Any good therapy is built off of a secure relationship where, um, where you feel accepted, where you can be authentic, where you can even practice saying when something upsets you, setting boundaries, asserting yourself. Um, it's, a, it's a reparative relational experience to work with a therapist. And without that connection, without that relationship, it's just not going to be as effective. So the, the relationship is really the point um, with, a, with therapy, or at least a large part of the point, especially for trauma, especially for attachment trauma. But what's hurt in relationships is healed in relationships doesn't mean the only relationships can be with a therapist, right? You know, most therapists will be eventually working towards the goal of you having enough community supports and healthy relationships that you won't even necessarily need to rely on a therapist forever. Not that seeing a therapist forever is a bad thing. I know lots of people who do, but you want to expand your social supports to the point where you kind of have these like healthy reparative relationships in multiple places to help build like a, a healthy foundation of communal support and security. So with that said, you know, there's also a lot of healing that can happen in relationships besides a therapy and client relationship. 
the thing with therapists is that a lot of times people don't have anyone in their life that they really feel secure and safe with, you know? Like, you're surrounded by people who can't offer you security or stability. Um, You live in a chaotic environment, an unhealthy family system, like, whatever. And so therapists are this really unique opportunity to have a secure base, um, to have this relationship with very specific parameters and boundaries where you can kind of practice these relational skills and this sense of safety and connection. But um, when that's not accessible it's definitely important to remember that healing happens in a lot of relationships, right? It happens in friendships. It happens in family relationships. It happens in romantic relationships. It happens with mentors. Um, It happens in any relationship where you can have disconfirming experiences, experiences that disconfirm your negative core beliefs about yourself and other people and create new patterns of security and open communication and... um, healthy connection right between you and other people so there's also the fact that just depending on kind of your trauma type and your personality type some people with trauma are genuinely really too scared and don't know how to open up or feel safe with anyone and kind of have to build up to it you know so a lot of people with cptsd they begin their healing through connecting with authors connecting with people online Um, it's safer. There's more boundaries in place, right? They connect by reading a book about mental health from someone they relate to. They connect by maybe joining like an online forum or interacting with people online. And even that is an entrance to relational healing. And maybe from that, they're able to build up a little bit more um, connection and openness where they're able to like pursue a therapist relationship or start to make friends or those sorts of things. So there's a lot of ways to access relational healing. And so if someone is like lonely or isolated, I also don't want them to feel like, well, you can't even begin healing. You can begin. I think the important thing to know is that um, at some point after that beginning that you take on by yourself, it's going to need to be translated into real life practice with real life relationships and real risks and vulnerability and attachment and all that stuff right but you don't have to start there you don't have to jump in where it's like too scary and too unfamiliar so you know I absolutely do recommend self-education to people and I think it's just complex so I have to kind of present these different sides of things but I would be disingenuous if I said that self-education and self-healing wasn't a really big part of my journey. Um, but I wouldn't really call it self-healing, I guess, because it really was being practiced in relationships. Those relationships just weren't always with a therapist. So I think my experience was that I had a certain level of foundational skills and healing built up from being in therapy so I was actually in therapy for a very long time I started seeing a therapist when I was 13 I saw one consistently for about 10 years like there were some gaps but like usually seeing a therapist and so during those 10 years I absolutely gained a lot from therapy um but I didn't really like ever understand I didn't even learn about CPTSD until I was much older I didn't like have a therapist who told me about CPTSD I didn't really do a lot of the deep trauma healing that has been really effective and helpful for me. But I do think what happened during those 10 years is that I built a really good foundation because I had good therapists that supported me through very hard times. I learned coping skills. I processed a certain amount of my trauma um, with therapists when I was like younger and having a harder time. 
And then when I was older and I was like doing okay, you know what I mean? Like there was all this stuff that I feel like still hadn't really been resolved, but I was definitely doing better. I was not in crisis. I had a lot more like skills and support than I had had previously. And in that place, I got really into self-education because I discovered CPTSD online. I was like, why has no one ever told me about this? And, you know, I read everything I could find about it. I um, just, you know, I bought all the books. I learned about polyvagal theory, about attachment theory. And I, I got really excited about it. And, you know, this was um, also colliding with the time that I was deciding that I wanted to be a therapist and doing all this research on, like, trauma-informed therapy. So you know, I got a lot out of that research and that learning. Um, but I think if I had just, you know, kind of dived right into that when I was a lot younger, it wouldn't have really been as effective. It was because I already had some level of stability, but there were still things that I just didn't understand or that I hadn't really been able to resolve. And that self-education kind of like took it to the next level for me. And then with that understanding and that kind of increased sense of like self-compassion and self-knowledge, um, I was able to really have that start to translate to my relationships. And I think that that was when it really started to feel like things were really changing, you know. Um, I have not seen a therapist for a while. I actually, like, fired all my therapists a couple years ago because I'd been in therapy for so long. And I, like, actually got to this point where I was like, I feel like I need to see what it's like to not be in therapy for a little bit. So this is not everyone's experience because a lot of people haven't been in therapy. They haven't found the right therapist. They're still in crisis. But I was kind of in this place where I was like, I have done therapy for so long. I feel like I just need, like, a break from it. And I took a break, and it was during that break that I started reading all this stuff and, like, collecting all this information. And then from there... um, some things started to really shift for me and like these understandings really did make a difference for me. Uh, but what made the biggest difference was when I was able to apply them in the setting of like a secure relationship. Um, because in the kind of midst of me learning about all this stuff, I started dating my current boyfriend and we just like, because of the work that I had already done on healing and on understanding my like communication and my attachment needs and um how I wanted things to be like different in the way that I connected with people I was able to just be really like open from the beginning in a way that I had never been able to be before and we ended up just building this very like healthy and secure relationship and so like in the space of that relationship a lot of the things I was learning and a lot of the skills I was practicing have been able to become a lot more real and kind of concrete in my life. Like I've really been able to practice them and outside of my boyfriend, you know, those skills have also translated to my relationships with my friends and my family. And like, I, I have really been able to implement the things that I was learning, which has been really different because I've talked in like previous episodes about how it's easy for me to get stuck in my head, stuck in like the analytical zone and not really feel it. And so Um, I think it was just, I mean, it was a long process for me, but like my experience was like years and years of therapy, trying to put things together, trying to understand things, taking a break from therapy, learning about all these trauma theories, um, kind of leveling up in my understanding of myself and my compassion for myself. And then also from that, you know, building these relationships that really supported my growth and like supported my healing. And so it's really been a combination of factors. You know, I don't think I could have done it without any therapy, 
but I also experienced a really huge leap in my healing when I wasn't in therapy at all. So that that's just my experience. I'm just one person and it really does vary for everybody. I think um, in some scenarios, therapy is absolutely key, you know, um, when you don't have good supports around you, when you're in crisis, when you are too immobilized or debilitated by trauma to really pursue and seek out healing resources. Like you need those structural supports. Um, but there are also a lot of circumstances where people make a lot of leaps and bounds, you know, outside of a traditional therapeutic setting and find therapeutic value in all of these other things and all of these other experiences that we can have as human beings, you know. Um, there are so many intricate aspects of healing and I think that's why these discussions really require nuance and like we can't oversimplify them because it really is complex so I guess to summarize we can't heal completely alone what's hurt in relationships is healed in relationships but those relationships don't have to be only with a therapist there's a lot of relationships that can provide healing for us including beginning with relationships with authors people online even animals um you start where you are and the most important thing is to not burn out, rush yourself, create containment, create um, healthy patterns for yourself. And remember that the time in between therapy sessions is just as important as the time in therapy sessions. So you're not only healing when you're like, like deep diving into the nitty gritty of it. You're healing in the in-between times when you're resting, you're building healthy self-care routines, you're leaning on social supports, you're, you know, um, practicing self-compassion. Like, you're resting, <laughs> you're taking care of your body, you're sleeping and eating and drinking water. Those times in between are just as important for your healing as the times when you're diving into stuff. So don't get caught in the trap of feeling like healing is a race and you have to get to the end. Um, a very important part of healing is that rest and recovery and taking your time, taking breaks. And um, I, I mean, I wish like in my ideal world, Everyone would have access to good universal health care, universal access to um, trauma-informed and culturally humble and just competent mental health practitioners. Um, I wish that that existed, but it doesn't. And so I tried to make this episode speak to people in a lot of different scenarios and um, empower people to know that Regardless of your access, there are things that you can do to begin healing, and I think everyone has um, a certain level of agency and inherent ability to learn and grow as a human being, but as a caveat, none of us can do that completely alone, so find other people that can support you and love you. Whether it's a therapist, there's no shame in needing a therapist to be that person for you. If you have friends that can provide that for you, if you have a partner, if you have family, lean on them. Um, healing is not an individual project. And unfortunately, our society happens to be so isolating and individualistic that we're really not benefiting from the community supports that we need as mammals. Um, they're not easily accessible, so we have to build them for ourselves. And even if that just looks like talking to people online who you can feel comfortable with right now, that's okay. Um, wherever you are, just remember that you're not alone. And wherever you are, just remember that you're not alone. And there are so many people who are going through a similar process and who can relate to you and connect to you. If you don't have access to therapy, that doesn't mean you can't begin healing. But if you do have access to therapy, 
utilize it find a good therapist find a good therapist who understands trauma it really will make the world of difference a world of difference and if you have had mostly bad experiences with therapists or you're like therapy doesn't work for me um it's because you had the wrong therapist I promise and it sucks that there are so many bad therapists out there or therapists who are not really competent in trauma but when you know what to look for and you know um kind of what trauma theories are the most important and valuable to you which self-education can help you with you can seek out a therapist who's going to be effective and who will build a relationship with you that can support your healing so I hope this all made sense. Thank you guys so much for listening.